verse 34 and 35. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I was told by Pastor Joe two weeks ago, uh, you, have to speak to, you have to speak today. So, being, yeah, he, he asked me, but the way he asked me was a command. <laughs> the, the reason I accepted it because I know how difficult it is to stand up here and preach week after week. Yeah? And so every time when I accept to preach, is because I want to give him a break. Not that his preaching is no good, you know. It's very good. Right? Like last week was very, very good. And on Sunday, uh, yesterday's wedding message was beautiful. Thank you for your word from Ecclesiastes. So today I want to stress on these three most important words that we used to hear and say to one another. And I want us to think about these words carefully next time when you say it. Okay? It is these words, I love you. I love you. The whole world says that. You know? When we were coming here to the church, Ariella was with us, and we asked her to say, Ariella, can you tell Jesus, I love you, Jesus? You know, she did. She said it. In her own way, she can say, Jesus, I love you. But very often when the mother tells her to love uh, grandpa, grandma, Ariel, uh, uh, can you tell grandpa I love you? She will say, grandpa, I love you. <laughs> huh? her, her, her words and her body language is totally different, different direction. <laughs> huh? And I think uh, this is similar to us when we say, I love you, or when we say to God, I love you. Our words, our body language, our action, our motives are totally different. Okay? So the word, I love you, is not from the world. It's from the Bible. It's first found in the Bible and said by David, the king, who is known as the beloved of the Lord. Okay? 500 years ago, David said that before Jesus gave us the new commandment in John 13. So I want us to think carefully about these three words that David said, I love you. I uh, read from the King James Bible, it has a bit different. Okay? The King James Bible is to me a better translation. It says, I will love you. I will love you. That means I will to love you, O Lord, my strength. So, loving God is a decision, a real matter. Okay? And yesterday at the wedding, I was very glad it warms my heart when Benjamin said to Melissa, I will love you. That was powerful to me. Huh? To a couple who says, I will love you, 
That vow is very powerful. And I recommend that before any human being say to you or you say to any human being, I love you, you should learn to say to God, Lord, I will love you. I will to love you, God. Because if you don't have that vertical relationship and affirming to God, God, Jesus, I will love you. Then when you say that to one another, husband or wife, it has no strength, less effective, less powerful. Because to the extent we love God vertically, it will be seen in our horizontal relationship. I will love you, darling. I will love you, wife or husband. Because when we say, I will love you, that love, Sri tells you that it's not the same kind of love as the world. Because when the world say, I love you, it's not love. Actually, it's, I last for you. Uh, in our counseling, we come across uh, people who tell us they committed premarital sex, they have sexual relationship, and, and the excuse they give is, oh, since we love one another, it's okay. That is not love. That is lust. Lust. When people who uh, say, uh, uh, it can be two guys or two ladies, they say, I love each other or we love each other, that is actually not love. Because at yesterday's wedding, Pastor Joe mentioned two things, and I was quite, uh, I think about it, what he said. Okay? He said, under the laws of Australia, marriage is between two people. But in the biblical marriage, it's between one man and one woman. And when he said that, I said, Amen. Amen to that. But when any pastor who compromises and say, under the eyes of the law, it's two people, and they don't add the part about the biblical mandate of marriage, I will never say amen to it. So, Pastor Joe, thank God for your stand to uphold the law of God as well as the law of the land. But the law of God supersedes the law of the land because it is the Lord who created the land, who created everything. So the law of the land that is against the law of God, he can check it aside and be prepared to pay the price for it. So, I will love you. I will to love you. I personally believe that when we can say, I will to love God, that is the secret of faithfulness to God, to one another in marriage. Okay? If you can say and maintain it and keep it, I will love you, God. You have no problem in loving your spouse, in loving one another, in loving even your enemies. Notice, I, a person, a single person, David himself, I, I personally love you, the greatest person, the creator God. It's one person to the other person. The one that is a creature loving the creator. I will 
to love you. And David says that, I'm making a vow, I'm declaring this, that I will love you. And because of that, he could even, the Bible tells us, love his own children. He could even love Jonathan as himself. So it's very powerful that I will love you is a vow that must be maintained and set regularly, renew, renew that vow to one another. So if you are beside your spouse or wife, can you say that to him or her? No? If you are beside your wife or husband, say that. Say, darling, I love you. You mean it? Huh? Uh, someone say, uh, cannot speak out. Uh, can't speak out. Uh, find it hard, unable to say it. Why? Because maybe this morning on the way to church, you had a quarrel in the car. <laughs> but that vow that you say, you repeat it, you renew it, you refresh it and meet it with the power of God, with the Holy Spirit, is powerful. Don't wait till a person who is lying down on the bed and dying and you say these words to him or her. Don't wait for that. Okay? Say, I love you. Sometimes when we discipline our children or grandchildren, make sure you settle that night, that day with these words. Darling, or daughter, uh, my grandchild, I love you. Grandpa loves you. Grandma loves you. Very powerful. Okay? You see, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is actually, Jesus summarizes it with two commandments. The two commandments of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay? So, I will love you. When you really do it, fulfill it, you are already fulfilling the Ten Commandments. What do you mean by will? I will to love you, will. The word will means a vow. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It is something that you will do it and you remind yourself to do it and you will keep it. In the Hebrew, the word, I will love you, it has the idea of your gut feeling, your gut feeling, your innermost being, your, your, your inner being stir, passion rise up, stir up, that cause you to not only say it, but do it. The New Testament equivalent for that word is compassion. Compassion. In Mark chapter 1, when a leper came to Jesus, he asked, he bowed before Jesus, and he begged Jesus, and he said, you have the power to heal me if you want. And then the Bible says, Jesus felt sorry. In the other translation is, Jesus had compassion for the man. And so Jesus touched the leper 
And Jesus said, I want to heal you. So, compassion is what? Not just words, just sympathy. It's action that makes Jesus touch a leper. For Jesus to do that, he made himself unclean. So when we see this passage, I will love you, it has the idea of you love the people who are in the unclean, lepers, untouchable. And yet you dare to touch the person because your touch is loving touch, healing touch. A touch is what we human beings need. When we touch the right way, God way, it heals. The leper said, you have the power to heal me if you want. And Jesus replied, I want to heal you. Be healed. So we ask ourselves, do we have this gut feeling? Do we have this compassion for people who need love? They need love. No, when Jesus said in John 13 that this love is the true mark of disciples, he coined a new word. He says he called it a new commandment. It was a commandment in the Old Testament to love one another. In Deuteronomy, God, God talked about love. But Jesus says, I now call it, I coined it a new commandment. See, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The standard is what? As, as I love you. So how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love you? How did Jesus love all of us? The cross. The cross. People mock him, crucify him, ridicule him, hated him, and asked for his life to be nailed on the cross. And he could say, what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Nobody can crucify his love. No one can stop Jesus from loving you. And nobody can stop us from loving one another. As I love you is the standard, is the highest standard. So looking at the cross will inspire you and me to have that agape sacrificial love for sinners like us. By the way, when you love your wife or you love one another, your family members, they're better than sinners, correct? And yet you are to love them. How much more when people who are our enemies and sinners, we are to love them. If you look at this verse, uh, verse 35 says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now as I was thinking about this verse, it, it strikes me, you know, Jesus didn't say, by evangelism, by signs, wonders and miracles, by raising the dead, by casting out demons, all men will know that we are disciples. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, but by this, by love, all men will know that you are my disciples. In other words, 
how do we as a church, or how can I as an individual or as a family make an impact for God, for society, for our neighborhood, for us as GCC in Castle Hill? How? Jesus' method is very simple. Simply love one another. We can cook a lot of food, warm meals, and have organizations to sponsor us, giving us bread and whatever, to cook meals for the homeless or the poor or the needy. Yeah, it's important to do that. But by that, Jesus says, doing all these things without love is useless. It's just activity. Okay, so we need to have the kind of love that Jesus wants us to do, and he wants you and me to truly make an impact so that all men will know that you are my disciples. It is said that the weakness of the churches, especially uh, someone say is in America, we are so what I call uh, we are so good in doctrines, teachings, writing books, programs. We are so good in that, but the churches in America they are weak in love. And I believe that statement can be a reflection of all of us. We are weak in showing sacrificial, unconditional love. So how do we make an impact? Just now the passage read to us by Chris from 1 John 4, 7 to 12, it tells us some of the things that we can do. If you go back to the verse, John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, as I did some study on this passage, the word love or beloved in these 15 verses occurs 27 times. 27 times in 15 verses. So it tells you that there must be an emphasis, an importance that John wants us to know. Beloved, let us love one another. When, when he used the word let us, he referred to a corporate body. In Psalm 18, it's David individually, personally said, I will love the Lord. Now John tells us, let us corporately as a church let us, as a body of believers, do that. Let us love one another. For love is from God. And then he defined. He defined who is born again. Who is a Christian? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's a simple definition of being born again. Not you recite the Bible verses. You know uh, how to quote uh, John 3.16 or Romans 10, 9 to 10? No. He says what? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Then he goes on to say in verse 8, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, 
Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So there is exaltation. God is love. If you love God, if you follow God, you follow love. If God is love, God's nature is love, we who are born again, we have the nature of God in us, and our nature must be like God, love. There is never an instant where God doesn't do anything outside of His nature called love. And I can even say, in love, God even allows sinners to go to hell because it's their will. In love, God allows His people even to go through suffering like Job. We don't understand the will and mystery of God, but He does everything in through by love. In love, He sacrificed His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us who are His enemies, who hated Him. So that is the exaltation to love. I want you to repeat this statement in verse 7. Eh? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Say that. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. One more time. That is the definition of a Christian. Not your degrees, not how rich we are, not what our houses we have, not what kind of church we have, whatever we have. You can have a big church, massive church, mega membership, mega building. This will not make an impact to the world. It's by love. All men will know you are my disciples. Simple but profound. Simple, doable, but it is costly. Then verse 11 tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So that is what? There is an obligation. An obligation means a debt we need to settle, a debt we must pay. So everyone who doesn't know God, everyone who is in need, everyone who is poor, homeless, whatever, they need a touch of love. And when we fail to do that, then we didn't do verse 11. Verse 11 says what? If God so loves us, loves me, we, I also ought to love one another. One another. You know, Mother Teresa says, if we give money to the poor, that is not enough. That is not enough. You see, money can be got. You can obtain it. What we need to give, what? We give ourselves, our presence, our touch, our very presence. You know, when Mother Teresa went about his, her work, the reporter asked her, why do you do all this? Why do you go to the roadsides and pick up a leper, a poor, a destitute, a dying person? Why do you do all this? 
and clean up these people. You bring them to your, your home, the center, the care. She said, when I see a leper, when I see a dying, when I see a person on the streets, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. The faces of these people that are in pain, in suffering, they are cold, hungry, all these things. I see Jesus. I do it for Jesus. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You see, one woman alone, with a mission for the poor, homeless, destitute, the rejects of society, she make an impact in the whole world. In Calcutta, in that place where she lived, she did that, and the whole country of India knows it. Mother Teresa. And we, uh, we so-called the evangelical Christians, used to say, uh, I don't think so Mother Teresa is born again. She's a Catholic. Uh, I don't think so she's born again. We had like to argue over doctrinal issues. But just now the verse says what? Everyone who loves is born of God. If you can, if we can love like Mother Teresa, I believe you are born again. If she could say, I see Jesus in the dying person, isn't that love? Isn't that a question? She would carry a dying person, clean up, feed them, clothe them, and she said, at least I can prepare her for a decent barrier. She does that. No, once a while, as a lifestyle. As a lifestyle. Huh? So what we do is once a while, or I'm glad that uh, Julie mentioned we went to the Novi home once in two months. I'm glad that Andrew Wong wants to do something like that in Paramatta. Good. But these are too little, too infrequent. We must what? have that love of Jesus to go there, to talk, to spend time, uh, to, to, to want to touch people by our presence, by our words, by our life, by our actions on a regular basis. Then, they will want to hear the message of love through us. So verse 11 is obligation to love. Paul says, the only debt we owe to people is the debt of love. Owe no man any debt except debt of love. So tell the person on your left and right, I, I owe you something. I owe you something, eh? I owe you love. Right? And I must pay that love debt. Okay, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. You know, this verse is referring to what? If, if is a condition. If we love one another, 
God abides in us. What does that mean? If we fail to love one another, the opposite is what? God doesn't abide in us. The presence of God is the presence of love. For God is love. So we cannot say, God, we long for your presence. Lord, we worship and call down your presence. But from other days, we are not loving. We are so unloving. We are so critical. We fight in the home or in the office or we quarrel with our neighbours. We don't have that love as a lifestyle. So we cannot call upon the presence of God because God says, we are not ready. We are not sincere. I will not abide in the loveless heart. God is love and He wants to dwell in you and me permanently. And that permanently is provided permanently. My heart is love. The fullness of Christ dwells in you bodily. Paul says in Colossians. So our absence of love or lack of love, insufficient love, insight expels the presence of God. You want God to abide in you? You want to abide in God? You want God to be strong, evident in your home, in the church, in society, wherever you go? Love. Love. Okay? God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. What does that mean? What does it mean to say God's love is perfected in us. What does it mean? To me, it means what? Love is the highest, the greatest ingredient. And when we have this love of God, it is perfected, means it's perfected or completed in other ways. You know, when we are filled and full of God's perfect love, God's kind of love, it flows down into other areas of our life. One best example is to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We, we know that there is nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, all these things. Eh? Okay, if you look carefully at the fruits, the nine fruits, love is one. Then love, joy. What is joy? Joy is love's cheerfulness. Love, joy, peace. What is peace? Peace is love's calmness. Love, joy, peace. Patience. Love's constraint. Huh? Patience, kindness. What is kindness? It's love's charity. Goodness. Huh? Goodness is what? It's love's consideration. You're good to people. Courtesy, whatever you call it. So there are nine of them. The last one, self-control. What is self-control? Love's check. Self-check. That is the aspect of love, ingredient of love, sown in these other eight eight fruits of the Spirit. I earlier mentioned uh, about Mother Teresa. I want to share some quotes that she said. She said, The hunger for love 
is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. The rich people, they have bread, they have all these things, they have good food, they have beef, steak, they have all the high quality or whatever thing they can afford in a restaurant. But deep down, they are hungry for love. Okay? The hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. You read in the news about millionaires or celebrities, they married less than one year, they divorce. They have tons of money, but they divorce after a few months. Why? Because they have the wrong kind of love. They do not know the kind of love. Princess Diana, hunger for love. And she called herself the queen of hearts. Yeah? The queen of hearts to care for the people who are HIV victims or the poor, the people in Africa. She wants to win the hearts of people. At least she devoted her life to that. Hungry for love, but she expressed that love in caring for people who are unfortunate in society. By the way, she and Mother, Mother Teresa died almost the same time. Yeah? She died on the 31st of August. Mother Teresa died on the 5th of September. So both make their name known and make an impact in the world, but God uses different ones. Mother Teresa made the maximum impact. Okay? She said, People need our heart to love them more than food, more than money, more than anything. So everywhere we go, spread your love wherever you go. Okay? You can bring money, donate, all these things, but if you don't have love, it's no good. I'm always uh, reminded of this friend of mine, I told you before, senior pastor in Ban. In the year 2005, he announced to his whole church about 200 over people, he said, this month is my last month in church as your senior pastor. I'm not saying that to you. Huh? <laughs> this month is my last month as senior pastor of this church, Marine Parade Church. And he said, I have the consent from my wife to make this announcement. We will resign. I will resign as a pastor of this church end of the month, and we will go out to do humanitarian work, to do charity work. And so he went to where? He went to the places that are affected by disasters. He went to places that are very poor. And he went to one place called Tampa Asri in Indonesia. So when he came back, one day, he, he, I brought me up with him. No? He shared with me, Hey, Pastor, you must come. No? You and your elders must come and see for yourself. Uh. When you see these people, uh, you will, your heart will break and cry out for them. Okay? So, five of my elders and me, in the year 2007, we went to this place called Tampa Asri. This place is a slum area. HIV Infected. Mosquito infected. The water there is so unclean and the people are so poor they live in box houses under the bridge 
and it's smelly. They do everything in the river and it's smelly. Wash the clothes there, uh, wash the vegetables there, and then they do their business there. You know what I mean by business, huh? Mm. And so there were about 30 to 40 children run about. See, Pastor John, these children are mainly the children of the women who are prostitutes. And they're all HIV infected. And they can't support them to go to school and don't even have proper milk food for them. So when he shared all these things, uh, you can't see things without action. Okay? So we asked about, what can we do for these 30, 40 children running about? So he said, I think God impressed upon me to do two things. He, he, he told us. The first thing is, give them an education. Sponsor them to school. Second thing is, feed them with nutritious drink, food, at least twice a week. So, when, when he shared all these things, my elders who were with me, we all talked through and prayed through. I said, we can do it as a church. We can do it. We will do it. And we asked, what will be the cost to look after 30, 40 children and sponsor them to school and then to feed the drink? And I can't remember the amount and we all agreed to do it. So we fed them with nutritious drink. We put them into schools and when they were in school, if they do well, they go to secondary school. We sponsor them up to secondary level. Hopefully, they will find a job when they finish their secondary education. You see, people were so poor that when the parents feed their babies, you know what they give them? You know, mothers, you won't do that. But that's what they do. They give them three in one, make into a bottle. Not milk bottle, no, just a Coca-Cola bottle. With water, shake it, and the baby drink the three in one. That is their milk. No, would you do that for your children? We won't go right? If you can care for your own children and give them the best, how come we have no compassion, no love for people who are only drinking three in one milk? No, when we go and make a drink after we eat something, thank God for people who provide. But there are others who can't even find decent food. Another work we did is in Myanmar. We did the orphans, about 1,000 orphans. We feed them, we house them, we provide money for them to buy rice as well as provide them money to buy their uniform and pay for the school fees. And we did that as a church for 12 to 14 years by now. Because my church is 16 years. I remember we did that when we were two years old as a church. So we are now 16 years old. So we spent 14 years caring for the people in Myanmar, the people in Indonesia. Why? Because we want to do it as a corporate body. 
So church, I do not know what is God telling us as a church, but I want you to think about it. You can start from, from, from uh, scratch to tell your children, besides praying for them, why don't we sometimes skip uh, certain lunch and that money set aside to give to World Vision or Salvation Army, all these things? You know, we can heal the sick and, 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 and the blind can receive the sights. How? You know, today we can do it in a very different way. We can do it through what? Organizations that are doing that. And we support this organization. Okay? I, I, once a year, I receive some uh, brochure about guide dogs. Guide dogs. Where they train the dogs to guide people who are blind. So they need the fund to train the dogs to train to guide people who are blind. So every time we receive this, we pray about it, we give. Guide dog. Eh? Sometimes we receive from uh, Salvation Army twice a year. When I see this, my wife and I say, thank you, Lord, that these flyers come to our home and you want us to do something besides praying. Okay? Don't give excuses and say, oh, all this money we give, huh? go to other people, go to the CEO, go to what? Don't think about that. Okay? True love makes no excuse. Okay? So, do that. Now, I end with this story about the Roman Emperor Julian. You know, Emperor Julian said something about the Christians in his time. He said, the Christians were so loving. They practiced Acts 2.42 eh, onwards, where they sell the properties, all these things, and they care for everyone. And the Bible tells us in Acts 2, everyone has their needs met. And there were no needy people in the early church. And so that type of lifestyle was so powerful that Emperor Julian said, see how these Christians love one another. By their deeds, by their caring for the poor, caring for the destitute, caring for the unwanted. And he remarked, he remarked even my own people who are Romans, loyal Roman citizens, they care for them. They don't care for themselves or Christians. They care for those outside the body of Christ that the emperor could remark, see how they love one another. And my prayer is, when people who leave our church here, they can say, see how Grace Christian Church love one another. Love one another. So First John 4, 7, let's say this verse again. It says what? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Say that. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. One more time. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And Psalm 18, verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. And when we do that, we fulfill John 13, verses 34 to 35. I ask the music team to play this song and we sing along, and then Pastor Joe will give us the benediction.
we want to sing this song, a new commandment that I gave unto you. Let's rise. Father, may we sing from our hearts and put that song not only into our hearts, outflow into daily actions in our home, in our community, as a church in Castle Hill. Give us the Spirit of Holy Spirit of Christ to do that for your sake. That all men will know that we are your disciples when we love one another as Christ has loved us. Amen. Father, I thank you for the word that you shared with us this morning from your servant, Pastor John. We thank you for the challenge and the call for us to, as your people, love. To love as you have loved us. To love sacrificially. To love willingly. As we read through the scriptures, shared that everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Therefore, we will love you, O Lord, our strength. For a new commandment you give to us to love each other as you have loved us so that we must love one another. By this, everyone will know that we are your disciples through that love. Father, we thank you for such a call. We thank you for such a challenge. And we pray it'll be more than just words, but a reality. 
that our love would be a doing, not a talking, not a thinking, not a wishing, but to be a doer of the love you have given us. And so we ask for you to dismiss us now. Stir our hearts, O Lord. Change us and continue to challenge us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.